Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair and thank you for listening. The program you're listening to was organized by the Islamic Association of Collin County in Plano, Texas. Enjoy. Once again, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. <clears throat> Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa afdalu salati wa atamu taslimi ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت يا حي يا قيوم تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا سهلا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم أخرجنا من ظلمات الوهم وأكرمنا بنور الفهم وافتح علينا بمعرفة العلم وحسن أخلاقنا بالحلم وجعلنا ممن يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسنه ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله first of all I would like to say that this I feel very good ما شاء الله you know الحمد لله may Allah سبحانه وتعالى be praised for his blessings upon us after such a long time to sit in the masjid and give a dars in the masjid. Uh, it has been a very, very long time. Uh, so we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this blessing. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to never allow us to take these things for granted. Um, the blessing of praying on the regular floor and not have to pray on that tarp that was here. Uh, the blessing of praying a little bit closer to one another. Uh, and uh, what makes it even more special for me personally is that um, uh, this is Zohar time. Zohar time uh, is special because the first prayer that was prayed by the Prophet ﷺ out of the five daily prayers. The first prayer that he prayed was Dhuhr. Because he received the prayers in the night journey, in the Isra wal Mi'raj. And that happened. And after he returned back, Allah had given him the five daily prayers. But he didn't. Uh, perform any of them because he didn't know exactly what times he was supposed to pray those five prayers. The details were not given to him. Jibreel came to the Prophet ﷺ between Fajr and Dhuhr to teach him. And so the first prayer that was performed by the Prophet ﷺ, um, was uh, Salatul Dhuhr. So it's nice that the first prayer that we performed in a semi-normal way was also Salatul Dhuhr. Khair, inshallah. So I just want to double check and see if uh, the live stream is working. And then I will start the topic, inshallah. So just give me a minute. Okay, 
So it looks like we are live, alhamdulillah. All right, so uh, what we're going to do today, inshallah, is we're going to uh, divide the program into two parts. The first part I will cover, and the second part Imam Azhar will cover. And for those who are watching uh, live uh, on the live stream, you can put your questions in the YouTube or, or Facebook, whatever it is that you're using, to, to watch the program. And I have my screen open. I will receive uh, your questions. I will see them in the comments, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, if you have a private question that you want to ask anonymously, um, you can uh, text me the question. And the number that you can text it to is 972-379-7624. Once again, 972-379-7624. So uh, if you want to ask anonymously, you can do that. Or if you want to just uh, use the comment section to, um, to send your question, inshallah. So uh, let's, uh, inshallah, of course, all of this, uh, most of this is going to be review for us, but it's good to, good to review these things. So the first thing that we want to talk about is what is the ruling of fasting in the month of Ramadan. The fasting in the month of Ramadan, we should all know that it is an obligation it is a fard. It's not simply something good to do. It is a requirement. And anybody who denies the obligation of fasting Ramadan commits kufr. So anybody who denies that fasting in the month of Ramadan is fard has committed kufr. So this is something very serious. And uh, of course, uh, we know that the fa fasting the month of Ramadan is required from the Qur'an. The Qur'an speaks about this. شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ وَبَيِّنَاتٍ مِّنَ الْهُدَى وَالْفُرْقَانِ فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرَ فَلْيَصُمْهَ That the month of Ramadan is the month in which the Qur'an was revealed as a guidance for mankind. So whoever is resident during the month must fast it. And the Prophet ﷺ also indicated that Islam is built on five pillars and one of them is the fast of Ramadan. A man came to the Prophet ﷺ and asked him, Ya Rasulullah, tell me what Allah has made mandatory upon me with regards to fasting. So he replied and he said, the month of Ramadan. So the man said, am I obligated to fast anything besides that? And the Prophet ﷺ replied, No, unless you choose to do so voluntarily. So this is the only month that is obligatory, and this entire month is obligatory. And there is scholarly consensus on this, meaning ijma, there is no difference of opinion on this issue. So if somebody deliberately omits the fast of Ramadan, even a single day, without an excuse, right? somebody deliberately breaks the fast of Ramadan for even a single day or omits it altogether without a legitimate excuse that is a major sin it's not just a minor sin it is a major sin to omit or break even a single day of fasting of the month of Ramadan without legitimate excuse now when somebody commits a major sin, 
they have to repent for that. It's not something that Allah will forgive unless the person repents for that. Of course, Allah can forgive anything if He wants. But generally speaking, we have to repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if we want our major sins to be forgiven. But that's not the only consequence of breaking or omitting the fast of Ramadan. Yes, it's a major sin that requires uh, repentance, but it also requires kafara. Requires kafara. Okay? Now, before I go any further, let me mention something. Throughout my talk today, I'm going to be talking about the different schools of thought. The Hanafi school, the Maliki school, the Shafi'i school, and the Hanbali school. Four schools of thought. And the reason for that is because in Sunni Islam, we have four schools of thought. All of them are equally legitimate to follow. And we live in a community that is diverse. Some people in the community follow the Hanafi school, some follow the Shafi'i school, and so on. So I will give the different opinions so that whichever school of thought you follow, you know what is the opinion of your school of thought. That's one reason I'm going to give these different opinions. The other reason I'm going to give these different opinions is because there are people sometimes who don't follow any madhab. Who don't follow any madhab. So what should they do? Right? My recommendation to those people who don't follow any madhab is to follow the safer view. The safer view, if possible. If it's difficult, then you may follow the other view as long as it is one of the four schools of thought. Okay? But don't always follow the easier view because that's what shaitan wants us to do, to take things easy in our, in our affairs. No, try to be on the safer side. Okay? And especially if there's a majority view, then follow the majority view. Okay? That's for those who don't follow one particular school of thought. But if you follow one particular school of thought, then just stick to your school of thought. Unless your school of thought is very difficult on a particular issue, then you may follow the other opinion as well, inshallah. So, when it comes to breaking the fast deliberately in the month of Ramadan, according to the Hanafi school and the Maliki school, it doesn't matter how you broke the fast, you have to give kafara. Doesn't matter how you broke the fast. You ate, you drank, you had intimacy with your spouse. Doesn't matter how you broke your fast. You have to give kafara. What is the kafara? I'll tell you in a minute. Okay? Now, in the Hanafi school, you only give kafara if you started the day fasting, but then you broke it in the middle of the day. But you don't give kafara if you omitted the day entirely. If you never fasted to begin with, there's no kafara. Okay? It's still a major sin that requires repentance, but no kafara is required in that, in that case. In the Maliki school, it doesn't matter whether you omit or break, kafara is required. It doesn't matter how it happens, kafara is required as long as you did it deliberately. 
In the Shafi'i school and the Hanbali school, kafara is only required if a person breaks their fast by sexual intercourse. Kafara is not required if a person eats or drinks and breaks their fast in that way. Kafara is only required if they break their fast by sexual intercourse in the day during Ramadan. Okay, so what is kafara? Freeing a sound Muslim slave. Freeing a healthy, sane Muslim slave. We don't have slaves anymore, so we go to option two, which is fasting two consecutive lunar months. A lot. Two consecutive lunar months. Okay? Because the crime is serious, you see, this is major sin. And this is for every day. So think about it, somebody who <coughs> was not practicing, was not a practicing Muslim or didn't, subhanAllah, didn't uh, take their deen seriously and did not fast for multiple Ramadans, right? For that person, are they going to do 60 days of consecutive fasting for every day? Well, according to the Shafi'i and Hanbali school, only if they had committed sexual intercourse on those days, you see. Eating and drinking, no. But in the Hanafi school, even eating and drinking, but only if they broke the fast, you see. But if those people never fasted to begin with, there's no kafara in the Hanafi school. Okay? So if people have years of Ramadans where they were not fasting, there's no kafara to be paid for those days in the Hanafi school because they did not break the fast on those days. They just they simply omitted the fasts. So they have to make up those days, they have to make them up, and they have to repent to Allah but there's no kafara required. So fasting two consecutive lunar months. If a person is physically unable to do that, then the third option is feeding 60 needy people. Feeding 60 needy people for every day that the person violated. Okay? So, now the next question is, Let's talk about um, let's talk about the things that well first of all let's talk about what is fasting. Fasting is two things. Two things have to be done for a fast to be considered valid. Number one, avoiding the things that break the fast from dawn to sunset. Avoiding the things that break the fast from dawn to sunset. What are the things that break the fast? We'll talk about them, but basically food, drink, and sexual intercourse. From dawn, the break of dawn, what's called al-fajr al-sadiq, the true dawn, until sunset, until the sun disappears below the horizon completely. And number two, to have the intention that I am fasting for the month of Ramadan. 
Now this intention, is it something that has to be made every day? Or once at the beginning of the month is enough for the whole month? Two opinions. According to Imam Malik, once at the beginning of the month for the whole month. It doesn't have to be repeated every day. But according to the other three schools, the Hanafi, Shafi'i, and Hanbali school, it has to be done every day. It has to be renewed every day. Okay? Now, how do you make intention? You simply, in your heart, you have the intention to fast this day for Ramadan. You don't have to say anything, but it's good to say something as well, such as, وَبِصَوْمِ غَدٍ نَوَيْتُ مِنْ شَهْرِ رَمَضَانِ Okay? That I intend to fast today for the month of Ramadan. When does this intention have to be made? According to the Shafi'i school and the Hanbali school, it has to be made sometime before dawn during the night. So after Maghrib, before Fajr, sometime during that time, this intention has to be present. And so for example, if I wake up for Suhoor, obviously I have the intention to fast. Right? So, so uh, it has to be there before dawn. But let's say that I woke up for suhoor and I have a headache. Okay? So I'm eating suhoor, but I'm not sure. Should I fast? Should I not fast? I'm not sure. And then fajr comes in. I'm not fasting. Because I did not make the intention before fajr. Intention can't be wishy-washy. It has to be firm. It has to be firm. Okay? In the Hanafi school, you have until midday to make the intention. Until midday. Midday is when? Right before the Adhan of Dhuhr. Right before the Adhan of Dhuhr. You have until then to make up your mind. As long as you have not eaten or drank or had intercourse throughout the day, if you make the intention 30 minutes before Dhuhr, you're fasting. Okay? So if you're not sure, you don't know how it's going to be, you can delay your intention until that time in the Hanafi school, but not in the Shafi'i and Hanbali schools. Now, uh, let's talk about uh, the things that break the fast and the things that don't break the fast. Okay? So first, let's talk about the things that break the fast. Okay, obviously, food, drink, and sexual intercourse goes without saying. But beyond that, the absence of intention breaks the fast. The intention to break the fast breaks the fast. What does that mean? I'm thinking, should I, I don't feel very good. Should I break my fast? Should I not break my fast? I have an hour. I'm thinking about it. I'm fasting. I'm fasting. But if I make the intention, you know what? I'm going to break my fast. And I get up, right? I get up to go and get a cup of water, right? I go and I try to get a cup of water. Oops, no water. No water. My fast is already broken. Because I made the intention to break the fast. Firm intention to break the fast. 
So that's one thing that breaks the fast. Number two, anything that enters the body through one of its openings between dawn and sunset would break the fast. Examples. Eating or drinking during the adhan of fajr. While the adhan of fajr is going on, I'm eating and drinking. Breaks the fast. Why? Because as soon as dawn entered, the adhan started. Now in the middle of the adhan, it's already after dawn. So my fast is broken. Okay? Number two. Breaking fast too early by mistake also breaks the fast. I do my iftar at 8 p.m. Thinking that Maghrib comes in at 7.59. So I do my iftar at 8 p.m. But then I double check and I realize that, oh, today Maghrib was supposed to come in at 8.03 p.m. I have eaten too early. By mistake, I'm not sinful, but the fast is broken. I have broken my fast. Number three, using excessive water to rinse our mouth and nose during wudu to such an extent that it enters the body cavity, enters the throat, okay, goes beyond the makhraj of the letter ha ah beyond that point breaks my fast but it was a mistake yes it was a mistake but it breaks the fast but isn't it that if you eat or drink something forgetfully it doesn't break your fast yes that's forgetfully that's different from mistake Eating something forgetfully is different from eating something by mistake. This is a mistake. That the water went inside by mistake. I didn't forget that I was fasting. I remembered I was fasting, but I was being careless. So it breaks the fast. Smoking breaks the fast. Snuff, taking snuff breaks the fast. Sexual intercourse breaks the fast. Uh, the use of suppositories, whether they're anal or vaginal, break the fast. Uh, pouring something into the ears until they reach the eardrums, according to the majority of the scholars, break the fast. Some scholars say they don't break the fast. Okay. So we should be careful when we take a bath. We should avoid going swimming while fasting. Because if we submerge our head inside the water, there's a chance that the water will reach the eardrums and it will break the fast according to the majority. What else breaks the fast? Menstruation breaks the fast. When a woman starts her period, it breaks the fast. Maghrib is at 8 p.m. A lady starts fasting and she starts her menses at 7.45 p.m. Her fast breaks. Inshallah, she'll be rewarded for what she did, but her fast is broken. She has to repeat that day later. Postnatal bleeding breaks the fast. Childbirth breaks the fast. Having an orgasm 
the ejaculation of semen due to a deliberate act breaks the fast. Ejaculation due to a deliberate act breaks the fast. Ejaculation that happens in a wet dream, for example, that's beyond a person's control, that does not break the fast. That does not break the fast. Vomiting deliberately, somebody induces vomit, and they vomit, it breaks the fast. What else breaks the fast? Uh, Nutritious injections. Injections that provide nutrition to the body, that are a substitute for food and drink. Okay, they break the fast according to many scholars. Also, injections that contain vitamins, they break the fast according to many scholars, but there's some debate on that. Um, Losing sanity breaks the fast. Um, Let's talk about things that do not break the fast. Things that do not break the fast. Involuntary vomiting. Somebody is overcome by nausea and they vomit. Doesn't matter how much vomit it is. A little bit or a lot doesn't matter. It does not break the fast. As long as the person does not swallow it back. Number two, having an orgasm due to something that is involuntary, like a wet dream, does not break the fast. Number three, bathing does not break the fast. Uh, Swallowing your own saliva does not break the fast. Even if you accumulate the saliva in your mouth and swallow it, does not break your fast. As long as the saliva does not leave your mouth and come back in. If it leaves the mouth and comes back in, it will break the fast. For example, like let's say somebody is uh, sewing. So they take a needle and they take a thread and they lick the thread and they try to insert it into the needle and it doesn't go in. So they lick it a second time. The first time they licked it, the saliva got on the thread. The second time they licked it, that saliva went back into their mouth. Okay? So that would break the fast. But swallowing my saliva, as long as it's within my mouth and did not leave the mouth, does not break the fast. What else does not break your fast? Smelling perfume does not break your fast. Smelling flowers does not break your fast. But inhaling uh, bukhur, you know, bukhur, the, the incense, agarbatti and bukhur, right? A burning incense. You inhale it, inhale it like that, that breaks the fast. Yeah, so, so keep that stuff away from you. You can burn it in the house, but don't bring it close to you and inhale it, because that would break the fast. Um, inhalers for asthma do not break the fast. Inhalers for asthma do not break the fast. Um, Blood tests do not break the fast. Um, Blood donation does not break the fast according to the majority of the scholars. 
Although according to the Hanbali school, it breaks the fast. Cupping hijama, same thing. Does not break the fast according to the majority, but according to the Hanbali school, it breaks the fast. Uh, using the siwak does not break the fast. Dental work does not break the fast. As long as you don't swallow anything, does not break the fast. Injections that are non-nutritious, non-nutritious injections, do not break the fast. Okay? So, for example, insulin injections, they're non-nutritious, they don't break the fast. Vaccinations, COVID vaccine, non-nutritious, does not break the fast. A nicotine patch does not break the fast. Being in a state of janaba, in a state of major ritual impurity, right? Somebody has, for example, intercourse with their spouse, and then they sleep, and then they wake up after fajr. They wake up after fajr. They're in a state of janaba. They're fasting. They're fasting. As long as they have the intention to fast, sometime during the night. So the state of janaba does not affect the validity of the fasting. That simply the person has to go and make ghusl and pray. Eating or drinking forgetfully does not break the fast. According to the majority of the scholars, does not break the fast. Um, using kuhl, mascara, kajal, antimony in the eyes, does not break the fast, according to most scholars. Using eye drops does not break the fast, according to most scholars. Kissing, kissing between spouses, for example. If it incites desire, then it is makruh, disliked. But it does not break the fast. If it does not incite desire, then it's permissible. It's not disliked. So for example, husband leaving the house, she gives a kiss to his wife on the forehead, for example. Right? As, as he leaves. It's not a kiss of desire. Does not break the fast and it's not disliked. But a kiss of desire is makruh, but it does not break the fast. Okay? So these are things that break the fast and things that do not break the fast. Now, let's talk about uh, who is required to fast. Who is required to fast? For a person to be required to fast, they have to be an adult beyond the age of puberty. Beyond the age of puberty. So what is puberty? Puberty in boys is when the boy has his first wet dream after the age of nine. And puberty in a girl is when she has her first period after the age of nine. Okay? And if a boy or a girl do not have a wet dream or a period until they become 15 years of age, then they have hit puberty, regardless of whether they've had a wet dream or a, pu or, or a period or not. 
by the age 15, according to the lunar calendar, 15 years of age, they are adults. So, a child who is above the age of puberty, even if they are only 10 years old, even if they're only 10 years old, if it's a girl who had her period at the age of 10, she's required to fast. A boy who had his wet dream at the age of 10, he's required to fast. It's fard on him. Number two, they have to be Muslim. So obviously non-Muslims don't have to fast. Number three, the person has to be sane, of sound mind. A person who doesn't have sound intellect is not required to fast. Number four, the person has to be healthy. People who are ill are exempt from fasting. Number five, the person has to be resident. Travelers are exempt from fasting. Number six, the person has to be physically capable of fasting. People who are not capable are exempt from fasting. And then there are two additional conditions for women. One, they have to be pure from menses, and two, they have to be pure from postnatal bleeding. If they're in their menses, they're exempt from fasting. If they're in their postnatal bleeding, they're exempt from fasting. In fact, they are not allowed to fast in those situations. So who is excused from fasting? Okay, let's talk about who's excused from fasting. Number one, anybody for whom fasting is life-threatening is not allowed to fast. They are not allowed to fast. If in the middle of the fast it becomes life-threatening, they have to break their fast and they have to make it up at a later time. And there's no fidya required or kafara in this case. Number two, people who are ill and fasting will worsen their illness, they have the option to break their fast. And if they do so, then they must make it up later and there's no kafara or fidya required. Number three, what about people who are not ill, but they're afraid that if they fast, they will become ill? They have a condition that they are not ill. But if they fast, they are afraid that they will become ill. Here, the majority of the scholars, the Hanafi school, the Maliki school, and the Hanbali school, they say that they have the option to break their fast as well. And if they do so, they have to make it up later, and there is no kafara or fidya required. In the Shafi'i school, they are not allowed to break their fast. They're not allowed to break their fast in this situation. They have to fast, and if they start getting ill, then they can break their fast. People for whom hunger or thirst becomes unbearable, unbearable, they are allowed to break their fast, and if they do so, they have to make it up, and there is no fidya or kafara required. Travelers are allowed to break their fast. And if they break their fast, they have to make it up at a later time. And there is no kafara or fidya that is required. Okay, now, there's some details that have to be mentioned about travelers that are important. First of all, what is the definition of travel? 
If I go from Plano to Frisco, is that travel? No, it's not. If I go from Plano to McKinney, is that travel? No, it's not. If I go from Plano to Dallas, is it travel? No, it's not. If I go from Plano to Irving, is it travel? No, it's not. If I go from Plano to Waco, is it travel? Yes, it is. Okay, so what is the, the cutoff? The cutoff, according to the majority of the scholars, including the four schools of thought, is approximately 81 kilometers or 50 miles, approximately. One way. One way. Okay? So if my destination is more than 50 miles away, then as soon as I leave my city limits, I'm a traveler. So let's say that I'm traveling to, um, let's say I live, in, I live in Dallas, and I'm traveling to Houston. Okay? That's more than 50 miles away. As soon as I leave the Dallas city limits, I become a traveler. Okay? Now, how long can I be a traveler? I go to visit Houston, I'm going to stay there for a few days. How long can I be considered a traveler? If I'm staying there for two days, am I considered a traveler for both days? The answer is yes. What if it's three days? The answer is yes. What if it's 30 days? The answer is no. What if it's 20 days? The answer is no. So what is the cutoff line there? The ulama differ here. This is an issue on which the four schools of thought, they differ. According to the Hanafi school, the duration for which I can be a traveler is 14 days or less. If I'm going to stay somewhere more than 14 days, then the moment I arrive there, I become a resident of that place. So let's say I'm traveling to Pakistan for three weeks. The moment I leave my city limits, I become a traveler because it's more than 50 miles away. Throughout the journey to Pakistan, I'm a traveler. But the moment I arrive in the city limits of Karachi where I'm going to be staying, if I'm planning to stay there for three weeks, it's more than 14 days, according to the Hanafi school, I become a resident of that place. Okay? But if I'm planning to stay there for 10 days, for example, I, I am a traveler for those entire 10 days. For all of those 10 days, I'm a traveler. I have the exemption not to fast. But in the Maliki school and the Shafi'i school and the Hanbali school, the duration is only four days. Okay? So if I'm staying somewhere for four days or more, I'm a resident of that place. But if I'm staying there for three days or less, I am a traveler there. Okay? Now, in the Hanafi school and the Maliki school, I cannot break my fast during the journey. I cannot break my fast during the journey. If the journey begins before Fajr, I can omit the fast from the beginning. But if I fast, if I begin fasting, 
and I cannot break it due to travel. I can break it due to other reasons. If it becomes unbearable, for example, I can break it for that reason, but not because I'm traveling. I can omit the fast, but I cannot break the fast in the middle. In the Shafi'i school, I can break on the journey only if the journey began before dawn. I can break in the journey if the journey began before dawn. And in the Hanbali school, a traveler can break their fast at any time. So the Hanbali school is the most lenient of all. So even if the journey begins after Fajr, and the person started the day fasting, once the journey begins, okay, let me break my fast. I'm traveling to Houston for the weekend. I begin my journey at uh, 11 a.m., right? So in, after Faj, at Fajr, I ate my suhoor, I started fasting. 11 o'clock, I leave the Dallas city limits. On the way, I can stop at Pizza Hut and break my fast in the Hanbali school, but not in the Shafi'i school and not in the Hanafi school or the Maliki school. Okay? The other groups of people that are exempt from fasting are old people. Old people. Old people have the option to break their fast, uh, and they do not make up their fast. According to the majority of the scholars, they have to pay fidya. Basically, the Hanafis, the Shafis, and the Hanbalis require fidya. Malikis do not. In the Maliki school, they don't have to pay fidya. What is the fidya amount? We'll talk about this a little bit later, inshallah. People who are terminally ill, same thing. They have the option to break their fast. There's no makeups required. And they must pay fidya according to the Hanafi, Shafi, and Hanbali schools. What is the fidya amount? Again, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Women who are in their menses and postnatal bleeding, as we said, they must break their fast and they have to make it up and there is no fidya or kafara that's required. What about pregnant and nursing women? Pregnant and nursing women, if they're able to fast, they must fast. And there are women who are able to fast when they're pregnant. There are. If they can, they should fast. If they're not able to fast, because they're afraid for their own health or for the health of the child, then they have the option to break their fast. But they must make it up. What if they didn't fast the whole month because they were nursing or they were pregnant? They didn't fast the whole month. They will have to make up the whole month at a later time, as soon as physically possible. Okay. Do they have to pay fidya for not fasting? According to the Hanafi school, no. They don't have to pay fidya. But according to the Hanbali and Shafi'i schools, if they broke their fast because they were afraid for themselves, then there's no fidya. But if they broke their fast because they were afraid for the child, then they also have to pay fidya. Okay? Let's talk about making up uh, missed fasts. And then we'll talk about fidya and then we'll be done. Making up missed fasts. When do we make up the missed fasts? Do we have to make it up immediately? No, we don't. 
Do we have to make them up consecutively? Like if I have 10 days to make up, do I have to fast those 10 days consecutively? No, I don't. I don't have to fast immediately. I don't have to fast consecutively. But it is recommended for me to do consecutive and immediately. Meaning what? Eid al-Fitr, the day of Eid, it's haram to fast. First of Shawwal, it's haram to fast. Second of Shawwal, it is recommended that I start making up my fasts. Second of Shawwal. Recommended. There's more reward in that. If I have five days to make up, fast on the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. That gets you the most reward. But you don't have to do it that way. You can make up your fasts. Next Sha'ban, you can make it up. But you have to do it before next Ramadan. If you delay your makeups beyond the next Ramadan without an excuse, number one, it's a sin. And number two, you have to pay kafara according to the Maliki, Shafi'i, and Hanbali schools. But not according to the Hanafi schools. The Hanafis don't require kafara even though they do tell you to make it up before the next Ramadan. But if you don't, there's no kafara or fidya that you have to pay. The other three schools require you for every day that you have delayed beyond the next Ramadan without an excuse, you have to pay kafara for that day. How much is the kafara? Again, we'll talk about it in just a few minutes. Also, for making up fasts, it is important for married women to seek the permission of their husbands first. They must have the permission of their husbands before they make up their fast. If the husband does not want them to make up their fast on a particular day, they don't make up their fast on that day. They delay it for another day. Okay? And uh, uh, let's finally let's talk about the fidya and the kafara. So, fidya. What is the amount of fidya? The Prophet ﷺ prescribed fidya in the form of grain, grain, like wheat or barley, grain, and he specified an amount using units of measure that were prevalent as his, at his time. The units that were used at his time were things like saw and mud, a handful, four handfuls, and things like that. When you convert those units to modern units into kilograms or liters or pounds, the scholars differ how the conversion works. So according to the Hanafi school, the amount for fidya is 4.85 pounds of wheat or 2.2 kilograms of wheat. According to the Malikis, Shafi'is, and Hanbalis, it is 2.65 pounds, almost half, or 1.2 kilograms. And it doesn't have to be wheat. It has to be the staple food of your locality, whether it's rice or chickpeas or beans or barley or wheat, whatever it is. But the question is, does it have to be in the form of grain, or can I give it in the form of money? Classically, traditionally, 
the majority of the scholars did not allow you to give in the form of money. They required that you give it in the form of grain. The only school from the classical schools that allowed you to give it in the form of money is the Hanafi school. So even classical Hanafi ulama have always allowed that you give your fidya in the form of money. You don't have to give it in the form of grain. But modern day ulama, almost all four schools of thought, the modern day ulama, they allow people to give fidya in the form of money because the times have changed. Because the poor and the needy, they don't know what to do with the grain. What are they going to do with it? They need money so that they can go and buy their groceries. Okay? So you give it, you can give it in the form of money. How much is the amount of fidya in dollar amount? Approximately $10 is what is recommended by most of the scholars in the United States. Approximately $10 for each day. Uh, can you delay the payment? Yes, you can according to the Hanafi school and Shafi'i school. You can delay the payment. You can make the fidya payment after Ramadan. But it's better to pay on time. Can you pay it in advance? Can you, for example, on the first of Ramadan, can you pay it for the whole month, 10 times $3,300, and be done with it? According to the Hanafi school, yes, you can. You can pay in advance for the entire month. Wallahu ta'ala alam, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Wa sallillahumma wa sallim wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Any questions? Yes. The use of toothpaste does not break your fast. But you have to be careful not to swallow any of it. Make sure that you rinse your mouth really well. And if, if, you're, if you're doubtful, then don't use it. Okay? But the use of toothpaste in and of itself does not break the fast, unless you swallow some of it. Allah For what? No, that's not true. For most people who are exempt from fasting, like travelers, for example, they only make up the fast. They don't pay fidya on top of making up the fast. Mm -hmm. They will not be making up They will only be paying fidya, correct? Old people will not be able to make up the fast They will only be paying fidya Right? Pregnant women have to make up the fast But do they have to pay fidya? There's a difference of opinion, right? So according to the Hanafi school They do not have to pay fidya but according to the Shafi'i school, they have to pay fidya if they broke their fast because of the child. But if they broke their fast because they were afraid for their own well-being, because the doctor said, 
you're not strong enough, you need enough food and drink during the day, you cannot fast. Otherwise you're going to get sick, you're going to be in the hospital. Then the lady does not have to pay fidya. Okay, so in the Shafi school it depends why the lady broke her fast. For the child, pay fidya. For herself, no fidya. But in the Hanafi school, it doesn't matter. She does not pay fidya in any case. Make sense? Wallahu a'lam. Jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum, Shaykh. You cover everything else, inshallah. Inshallah, Imam Azhar is going to talk about other aspects of fasting and Ramadan. I was just focusing on the on the fiqh aspect, but of course, there's a lot of other aspects of of fasting and Ramadan that are important for us to to be reminded of, and especially now because in the time of COVID, there are you know things that perhaps uh, we need to watch out for. So, Inshallah, he's going to enlighten us. Jazakallah. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه Fellow brothers and sisters, friends and families who are here today, this afternoon and also online. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alhamdulillah, there is a lot to absorb and I'm sure that a lot of us are taking notes and trying to uh, put all this in perspective in addition to the fact that there's differences in the schools of thought how do we uh, how do we do everything right and pr- protect ourselves from doing something wrong is always a fear in the back of many Muslims' heads, right? It's like, I want to do it right, I don't want to do it wrong. Am I doing this right or am I doing this wrong? So alhamdulillah, fiqhi torpe, as they say, in aspects of the jurisprudence, laws will continue to present themselves in the condition or under the circumstance if something goes wrong. We have before us, as our dear Shaykh Arslan said, there's qada, there's kafara. Qada means making up the fast. Kafara means uh, to not only make up the fast, but there is a penalty that goes alongside with it. Um, And I'm sure none of us want to face either of the two. We want to fast all 30 days, inshallah, and we want to, inshallah, prevent ourselves from doing something that would mandate on us a kafara, which means a penalty. So for that, inshallah, our intentions are there, and inshallah, Allah will guide us and help us and assist us uh, during this holy month that we do everything to the best of our ability and we protect ourselves from loss of time and loss of opportunity. There are, I mean, inshallah, there are many people out there who are asking questions as to uh, medical issues, COVID-related issues, etc. So I want to briefly touch on that, inshallah, and then go into talking about a Ramadan schedule. For those of us who are going to be taking a COVID shot, either the first or the second, uh, during the course of Ramadan, it does not break the fast. Any injection that's in intermuscular or it's intravenous, it does not uh, break the fast. However, if it's IV infusion, for example, something that's taken intravenous to bring about strength into the body, then that will break the fast. 
So for those of you out there who are concerned about scheduling or who have scheduled a shot and now are wary about it, go ahead and take the shot while inshallah being in the state of fasting. This does not break the fast. However, if a person takes a COVID shot 10 o'clock in the morning and by 3 o'clock in the afternoon they're feeling very sick, they're getting a fever, and it's coming to a point where it's unbearable, then they can break the fast, take the medication required and needed, and inshallah recuperate. If the following day they are still sick, and word is that if people take the second vaccination, it's worse than the first. And some people will agree, some will differ. Nevertheless, if that's the case, um, if you need another day to recuperate and get better, do take that time to do so. What would be required after Ramadan is to make qada, which means make up the fast. There's no kafara associated with it. We are in a very peculiar time and this pandemic has uh, really tested our understanding of what is out there and what is viable for us in the sharia, in the rules of Islam. And alhamdulillah, these options are before us. If someone is saying, I don't want to take the vaccination right now, I'll wait till after Ramadan. Scholars may differ on this. Sheikh Arsana might differ on this. We've never spoken about this. But I would say the sooner the better. We have a fourth wave coming. Many states up north are plagued with uh, rising COVID numbers due to what they call the UK variant. And if this is something that is a source that can help prevent, of course, nothing can help and nothing can stop anything except through the command and permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a sabab, this is a means. So if you have this means before you and it's accessible, don't delay, go ahead and do it. And the faster we do it, the better it is for us. Yes, Ramadan is there, but inshallah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows our intention. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala understands uh, the intentions behind why we are doing this. In addition to that, some people may have to travel during Ramadan. Now, as Sheikh said, if a person's travel begins before the time of Fajr, they will not fast. However, if their travel occurs during the time of the day, like 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock, they will continue fasting. Now, many airports, many airlines uh, require, for example, a COVID test. Just say, for example, you're supposed to get a COVID test done, some say 24, some say 72 hours before the flight. But just say it was a last minute flight and you need to leave right now. And you need to take a COVID test. A COVID test will not break the fast. A COVID test, anything that's inserted deep into the nasal passage or into the mouth and it's dry, it does not break the fast. So you can go ahead and take a COVID test and continue with your necessary travel. In addition to that, some people may have certain treatments or tests in the hospital that are scheduled, which requires through intravenous an IV dye or something is inserted. Again, that does not break the fast. Uh, and lastly, uh, there are people who have to take insulin so long the insulin is not injected directly into the stomach, if it's in the lower intestine or anywhere else, 
or if you have to take a uh, sugar test, you have to take a test to see what your sugar levels are, or you have to give blood, or you're uh, excited uh, to donate blood. All of these are permissible. The only thing that's disliked is donation of blood or blood tests because it may weaken the person who is fasting and in doing so may make them vulnerable of breaking that fast because now they're tired, they're sick, and it was a situation that could have been prevented. So each individual knows their circumstance and based on those circumstances, inshallah, they should make the decisions accordingly. Now the rules and the laws of fasting are are deep and they're broad and they're vast and they can continue to be educated to us and we can continue to learn about them. Some things we'll learn after we make mistakes, other things we'll learn and that will prevent us from making a mistake irrespective. Our goal is that this is a month that Allah subhanahu has given us all as a opportunity to spiritually recharge ourselves, spiritually reform ourselves, spiritually reconnect with Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to spiritually discipline our lives so that in the rest of the 11 months of the year, beyond our physical well-being, our mental well-being, our spiritual well-being is also part of the equation. Rasulullah had a very unique uh, structure in his life, uh, the discipline of his life from waking up in the last third of the night, sometimes staying awake all night, praying, uh, praying the sunnah after Bilal radiallahu was given the permission to call the adhan for fajr and then to kind of lie down between the sunnah and the farad just kind of lying down on his side waiting for the congregants to be ready uh, from what he used to do until shuruq uh, the rising of the sun and 10 to 20 minutes thereafter salatul duha praying salatul dhuhr doing the, doing the qaylula to, to have that midday nap and then also in the evening time, he had a very unique regimen. And in that regimen, daily regimen, there was also the spirituality that was a part of it. Many of us will have to wake up, inshallah everyone wakes up for suhoor. Suhoor is a very important part of Ramadan. It's a very important part of the fast. Although it's not mandatory, a person can eat uh, after taraweeh and go to sleep and uh, make their fast. It's, it's as simple as that. SubhanAllah, when we were in Morocco, the first and second day, we were very confused because after Isha prayer, there was a big feast and food. And wake up in the morning and everyone is sleeping. <laughs> how, come, how come everyone's sleeping? There's no suhoor. That was suhoor at nighttime. And so there's different cultures, different traditions, and people go according to their different schedules. If it's possible, my fellow Muslims, if you want to experience, Ramadan is an experience. If you want to experience barakah, blessing, divine blessing, eat suhoor every day. And in doing so, as you eat suhoor, I always recommend to people this, and again, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a dietitian, I don't know these things, I'm not a medical expert, but I'll tell you my experience. I always, alhamdulillah, eat the same thing and I eat light every suhoor. 
irrespective of how long or short the day is, irrespective of how much work I need to do or how less work I need to do. And I use that to challenge my body and discipline my soul and allow my mind to experience that it's not in the quantity of protein and carbs and this and that that helps you navigate your fast. It is the divine blessing called barakah that helps you through your fast. So for me, I've shared this last year and the year before, and I'll share it again, a bowl of porridge, a banana, a date, a cup of water, and sometimes maybe a cookie here or there, simple. For those saying we need a good, you know, two piale of uh, nihari, we need some paya, we need some parathe, we need some eggs, we need some whatever else. People are so obsessed nowadays, and I want to use that word very carefully, but deliberately, people are becoming obsessed with the food that they need to intake. They're calculating. They're ensuring they're drinking enough water. Brothers and sisters, we will be fasting 14 and a half hours. There are places that people will be fasting 17 hours plus. Yes, alhamdulillah, we are now exiting from summer and within a few months, uh, sorry, within a few years, Ramadan will go back into the winter and it will be shorter days, but irrespective. Ramadan is a month where you can experience divine blessing of barakah. So take this challenge for this Ramadan, as I asked everyone in previous Ramadans also, eat simple, eat light, and eat sufficient. Drink a few cup of waters, whatever you need to do. And know that you fulfilled the bodily need, and Allah through the divine blessings will instill barakah in your fast. If you're not accustomed to waking up and you want to go home around 2 o'clock, leave the masjid, hang out with friends, whatever, go home and say, you know what, I'm going to have a big strong breakfast at 2 o'clock and go to sleep. Remember, the barakah is right before the fajr time. So if you can, wake up even 10 minutes before fajr time begins, not the congregation time, the imsak time, which is when the fajr begins. And drink a cup of water, eat a date, there is barakah. Rasulullah said, The Saharu, eat the suhoor, fa inna fi suhuri barakah, for verily in the suhoor there's a blessing. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is commanding us to do so. The least we can do is wake up. Uh, I think for the first day, it's like 5.33 or 5.34 finishes. Let's try to make a schedule that we wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, inshallah. Now we wake up in the morning, we eat our suhoor, it's time for fajr. For those who are coming to the masjid, inshallah, fajr prayer is going to be, I think, at 6 o'clock uh, throughout the month, and maybe, I think, 5.45 in the latter days. But if you're not coming to the masjid, you're the far, you have to go work. I would like to request everyone to experience all the opportunities that are out there. So you ate your suhoor, you're experiencing barakah. When it comes to the spiritual discipline and the spiritual component of it, we read Quran in Ramadan. We make dhikr in Ramadan. We make dua in Ramadan. Uh, We make tawbah in Ramadan. Let's try to allocate time for these things. It is so good if you can, after eating and nourishing, uh, eating the food and nourishing your body, that as the Fajr time commences and you pray Fajr, you sit down and read your Quran. 
Many times people procrastinate. Okay, we're going to go to work, we're going to go to school, we have things to do. And at night time we'll recite the Qur'an. If we want to experience the serenity that Allah's word brings to us, this is the month of the Qur'an. This is the month Allah selected for the revelation of the Qur'an. Recite your juz or whatever you can recite. May it be 5 minutes, 20 minutes, more or less. Do it in the morning after Fajr pray, inshallah. And then if possible, read your ishraq. I know a lot of people will say, we're going to be exhausted, Imam, we're tired. We finish Tarawih at 11.30, we get home, we get to sleep, we have to wake back up at 5 o'clock. Inshallah, if we do things right, five hours of sleep is sufficient. And then start your day. Brothers and sisters in Islam, many people in our world today, almost everyone complains, there is no barakah in time. There's no blessing in time. Let this Ramadan allow you to experience that there is ample blessing in time. And that's the morning time. Believe me, from your 5 o'clock to 12 o'clock, you can accomplish so much. But if you decide to sleep, if you decide to waste it, then that is time that's moving without Allah's blessing. So again, Sihri will give you barakah in your health. You're going to experience that you're healthy, you got the strength, you got the energy, irrespective if you're out for 12 hours or you're inside a confined area which is cool and comfortable, you're going to inshallah experience that physical barakah. You want to experience spiritual serenity, as soon as Fajr prayer is done, read your Quran, make your dhikr, uh, pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Put a time limit. If we're not accustomed to doing this, let's grow it. 10-15 minutes and let's grow it accordingly. And inshallah, keep yourself awake that morning fulfilling all the needs that you may have during the day. In the afternoon hours, if a person is now feeling a bit exhausted, if you're at home, take the nap, what you call the qaylula, the siesta nap. Believe me, 15 minutes, you feel like you slept for an hour or two. It's so refreshing. Mothers at home can do this. Children during their lunch break or fasting can do this. If not, as soon as their school is done, take a nap for three, uh, for 30 minutes, 15 minutes, inshallah. These are times of barakah and blessings that Rasulullah benefited from. The Sahaba benefited from and people till today benefit from. So let's keep that in mind, inshallah. For those who are out working in the offices, etc., I know you can't sleep, come home. If it's even 3, 4 o'clock, if you're coming home, take a quick nap, inshallah. But try not to nap after the Asr time, which is at 6. Now, inshallah, evening time is here. If our fast went good according to the schedule and we abstain from sinning, Sinning means the words that we speak, the eyes that look, the ears that listen, the actions that we perform which are contrary to how Allah wants us to live. Inshallah, you'll still feel comfort. You'll still feel good. You'll still feel positive. But you're starting to get hangry. Hangry is the term we use that you're angry and you're hungry. It's the combination of the Snickers commercial. What you need to do then, inshallah, is engage in dhikr. Instead of shouting, instead of screaming, instead of arguing, instead of cursing, let us try to instill peace and quiet in our homes. Let us try to assist one another, brothers and sisters, to prevent situations from occurring that would 
would result in fights and arguments. Maintain the peace. If you're feeling agitated, make dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now this evening time should be the time of dhikr, around 5, 6, 7 o'clock. Make dhikr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are so many phrases that we can use for adhkar and dhikr. Astaghfirullah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Moisten your tongue. These are like energy shots to your soul which will stabilize your mind and body. And finally, my brothers and sisters, last two, and I'll end with this. It is now close to the time of Maghrib. I know in our communities, and I said this before, every year I say this, let's not fixate on the food. For our women folk and men folk who spend time in the kitchen preparing meals, what baffles me is Ramadan isn't supposed to be the time of the year where special meals are cooked. Cook it after Ramadan. Actually, cook it this weekend and enjoy it. Ramadan's a time for your soul. Sitting in the kitchen, cooking something that takes five, six, seven hours, grilling steaks, making nihari. We don't need this stuff, my brothers and sisters. Yes, it's become a habit for many people because they grew up in a culture where these things were accessible. Mind you, these things were accessible from the masjid to home. You could pick up your samosas and stuff. It was all being done on the streets. Now to impose in our homes that we or our loved ones, our family members have to sit there and cook this stuff is contrary to the purpose of Ramadan. Ramadan isn't feasting. Ramadan is your training. Your feasting is Eid. Your graduation is Eid. On the day of Eid, you celebrate the success you obtain in the 30 days of discipline, not 30 days of eating plus one, the day of Eid. So make it simple. Keep it simple. Try not to go in and out to different places eating. This is your Ramadan. This is a time for your soul. Inshallah, the restaurants are open throughout the whole year. So you make it simple and you sit down, sit your families down in your home, on the table or on the floor, 15 minutes at least before Maghrib, make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Teach them, teach yourself, make the environment in your home that these final minutes of our fast shouldn't be in front of the TV, shouldn't be listening to music or talking to people. These 15 minutes every day, irrespective of Ramadan or outside, are moments where we're going to sit and pray to Allah and make dua. And this is the time Allah will accept the dua, the fasting person's dua at the time of breaking the fast. This is the time, not counting how many samosas and how many pakoras. No, just let that go. This is the time I'm going to reap from the treasures of Allah before I rob the dastakhan per se, right? Now Maghrib comes in. The first thing we do, brothers and sisters, you break your fast and you go pray Maghrib. And then you come back and eat. Some people are like, okay, let's just eat. There's a lot of good food and you shouldn't pray when the food is ready. So they, now, now all these things are coming in. So you went from the appetizers to the main course and it's now 55 minutes into Maghrib. And now you're like stretching, my stomach is hurting and I need to go make wudu and I need to go pray maghrib. It should not be delayed. One date, one water, flush it down, adhan is called, before that of course, takbir is called and make your maghrib inshallah. Lastly my brothers and sisters, the whole beauty of Ramadan beyond the fasting is standing in night in prayers. Inshallah this masjid is going to be open. Inshallah your masjid is open. It is open right now. 
There are people that are going to be praying here, and the distance has been uh, defined already. We will be having three feet distance. And individuals and families are invited to come and pray to Allah. Last year, we were crying that we were deprived from Allah's house. Globally, I pray to Allah, we never forget that. I pray to Allah, we never forget what last Ramadan was, so that we may value every subsequent Ramadan after it. Ameen. So you come to Allah's house. You come prepared, inshallah. You eat light, you still have the energy. If you eat so much, you're going to become lazy. And it's going to bog you down. It's going to hold you down. So come to the house of Allah. We'll pray Isha together. We'll pray Taraweeh together. We'll make dua together. And then inshallah, we get back home and immediately get into bed. From 12 o'clock to 5 o'clock is enough for us for the next 30 days. In conclusion, my brothers and sisters and children of Islam, Ramadan gives us the opportunity to adopt, to adopt a regiment so that we can experience barakah in our health. We can, expect serenity, we, can, uh, we can experience serenity in our soul. We can experience barakah in time. We can understand how nourishing our soul with the remembrance of Allah can actually help us. And we pray to Allah and we gain from His treasures. We wake up early, we sleep late, and every prayer we perform is taking us one step closer in the right direction. Let us not waste this Ramadan. Let us not celebrate Ramadan. There's nothing to celebrate in Ramadan. Even 27th night is not a celebration. It's an opportunity to gain from Allah's treasures. The day of Eid is a day we will go all out. We will, inshallah, wear the best clothes. We'll make the best foods. And we will put on the best perfumes. And we will have balloons in the house. And inshallah, kids will play, laugh, and run. But that's Eid. These 30 days is Ramadan. May we define the Ramadan and differentiate it from the Eid. May we discipline our souls as we discipline our body and mind in this holy blessed month. And may we inshallah gain from all that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in store and more. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. So inshallah with that to our brothers and sisters here and who are watching online. Any questions from the brothers here inshallah? Very good inshallah. We want to say Jazakumullah khairan to everyone for attending and inshallah to keep this in mind that every event that we will be announcing here forward inshallah do check out those flyers if it says in person please come inshallah and participate the sisters area is open the brothers area is open if it's online then of course we will benefit from online i pray to allah that we can move now from the online accustomed way of learning back to in person where we can be together inshallah where we can learn together and where we can ask questions from one another ameen rabbil alameen subhanallah wa bihamdi سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما Once again, Jazakallah Khair for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can listen to more programs by the Islamic Association of Collin County at soundcloud.com slash Plano Masjid or by searching for Plano Masjid on your preferred podcast provider. You can also find other programs and events from IACC by visiting planomasjid.org. Jazakallah Khair. Assalamu alaikum.